everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I am your host, Kale Smith. And so for a mild, minor, just, you know, explanation, uh, so I teamed up with Sean Estridge of the Nerd Party and Missing Frames podcast uh, to do a Atlanta Film, Federal, Atlanta Film Festival coverage podcast that would be split into two parts where he would have the first part and I would have the second part. So if you're interested in hearing the first part where I cover movies like Polite Society and Night of the Cooters... Um, go check out that podcast and I will have a link in the description below uh, to uh, Sean's podcast so you can listen to part one but for now this is going to be part two of that coverage where Sean Estridge, Tyler Scruggs and myself uh, talk about the Atlanta Film Festival and our thoughts and feelings in, in the films and events we uh, we saw and took place uh, so please enjoy the show um, and yeah, here is, uh, um, part two. And welcome back, everyone. We are here for part two, uh, of course, you know, of course, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to listen to part one, go, go to the link below and go listen to that. But for now, I need to introduce some people, uh, going around to my, the last host of part one, uh, Sean Estridge from the Nerd Party hello hello thank you so much for for bringing me back especially after all the nonsense you had to put up with in part one i know all that nonsense that (laughs) can't believe it yeah uh this you know talking about movies like that's what i'm here for nonsense i bring the nonsense to the table (laughs) constipation nonsense all of the above yes uh and then uh the person who and then the other and then our other friend that's joining us uh tyler scruggs from tyler scruggs.com hey, hey thanks for having me well into the night oh, thank you <laughs> thank you all for doing this uh thank you uh Absolutely. so so like as we kind of mentioned this is part two this is my you know where i dominate yes. uh, so uh <laughs> It's it's late. It's late. It's if late. you're listening to this, we are recording this. It's very late. And uh, you're so, getting a sillier podcast. Just, just, just. <laughs> you're getting a part one. Part one was the setup. It was all the exposition. Very deadly yeah. doll. Serious we drama. Were... This is the uh, the kooky uh, action packed part two. Yes. Okay. So first and for- foremost, uh, I want to really start with uh, some of the only other feature film well the only other features i got to watch uh so i'm gonna start with first and foremost little brother from uh sheridan o'connell i think um let me double check sheridan o'donnell o'donnell excuse me thank you sorry sheridan uh so not so i've done an interview which we'll kind of you know we'll get to in just a couple minutes here as we you know get done talking about little brother so none of you guys got to see little brother right no i wanted to because i ta- I, I met the uh, the filmmaker the producer and the writer director uh at an after party and they seemed fantastic and i wanted to watch it i just didn't have time it's so uh so little brother is about uh a, a it's about an adult man who is coming to i think it's like new mexico or arizona the, he's coming to pick up his brother. He had just committed a suicide uh, again. Um, and it's a story about, you know, the little brother having to take, you know, the the older brother back home to, I think they're in Seattle or Washington, like Washington, back to Washington State. So it's a road trip movie of these two, like reconnecting and kind of finding like an emotional bond. And while exploring like the kind of near divergentness of like mental health and mental illness and you know in exploring like what it kind of like how like how to like love 
or f- how to like love someone who or um, um, imp- have empathy and love for uh someone like this because the stigma for suicide has always been it's selfish or whatnot and they and the idea is to turn the character into the, the little brother into basically siding like to basically coming to some kind of an emotional understanding with his older brother mm. and it's a very sweet very loving movie um uh, it's funny uh it, and there's a lot of really good points and the arc the little brother has is just really good like it is such a like i was like watching it and just very impressed with like all these young performers um and it's a beautifully shot movie like Mm. and you know they really did actually go like they shot mostly in arizona for the most part i think i think it's arizona um uh so they shot but they still went and took like a smaller units to like colorado and oregon to like these national parks to like you know get you know as much of to stretch the budget as much as possible and they it's just a really nice movie i it was their like world premiere the atlanta film festival so they're just now starting their festival circuit oh very Um, cool so they don't have a distributor or, or a release or release date yet but they are like taking it to different festivals right now so it, it sounded like a, a fantastic movie. And again, I'm like very into coming of age, very into road movies. So it sounded right up my alley. I couldn't get the screener link to work, unfortunately. Yeah. And it was, it, it was available on the virtual catalog, but oh, then again, right. I mean, the yeah. virtual catalog was only available for a certain time. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just a, it, it's a great movie. I just genuinely, um, I, it's to me like one of the best things I saw at the festival. Awesome. Um, and uh, so, and then the next, uh, the only other feature I saw was a documentary called No Time to Fail. This was, you know, going back to 2020 uh, for you, Tyler. Um, this was about the 2020 election. Tyler doesn't want how... to go back to 2020. I don't think anyone here wants to go back to 2020. Well, hold on. Well, hold on. But, <laughs> like this was about no one does, but like to reference twenty, uh, the documentary. Right. Like this was about this is the this was from the pr- perspective of the people running the polls, mm. and so this was from the perspective of like a Rhode Island district, actually a couple different districts in Rhode Island of like how they managed to do polls, how they managed to do like basically run an election understaffed you know underfunded Mm. underappreciated because they're getting so many phone calls about like people like afraid and having been spread misinformation and Mm. you know and you're just like seeing like these people who are like both volunteering and just working their asses off you know for six months stressed out of their minds trying to figure out ways to make people go and vote so it's just it was a really good document. It was a really good way of like capturing the moment. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and I know not everyone will want to like revisit 2020, but it, I feel like no time to fail. is one of those like cornerstone, like this is a piece of history that needs to be recorded. Like it needs to, right. like this was a moment that needed to be captured in time of how, like, because of misinformation spread by the presidency and by news outlets and all the everything kind of being you know a cluttered mess like it created like every it made everyone's job for poll workers people that were volunteering or just trying to run the thing just like to like a hundred times harder than it had to be yeah so and then you have to wrap COVID into it like there's no vaccine so everyone's just having to also social distance and wear masks while also and be like respective of like the COVID situation yeah it's nice to get it's nice to get all these uh i think we can expect a continued kind of onslaught of (laughs) these kinds of documentaries and stories like focusing on this very particular insane period in time but what's nice is like getting some perspective on it in a way like that these stories are being told because 
we hear a lot about it in the thick of it, but it's nice now that we're seeing, like you said, the craziness of that election. I mean, it was nuts. And then to your point, like just the amount of disinformation, the amount of like really good, hardworking people who were <laughs> really getting like beat up by people who didn't know what was going on. Um, it's very cool that we're now finally starting to see bits and pieces of the story that we'd heard about, but didn't necessarily know that much or have a lot of insight into. Yeah, exactly. Like this movie, um, again, I didn't see 20, like, uh, but I'm assuming like this would be like a great like pairing Yeah. of like, if you need like, a, if you need to reflect or to kind of psychologically like evaluate your experience in the pandemic, watch these two movies. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's, so that's no time to fail in little brother. And I'm going to, we're going to take a quick pause and I'm going to play my interview with, uh, Sharon O'Donnell, uh, the filmmaker, uh, for little brother. Hello everyone. Welcome to the youth critic, uh, coverage of 20 of, I want to cut this part out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I am your host, Kel Smith. We are continuing on our coverage for the Atlanta Film Festival 2023. Uh, and I am joined today by the uh, little brother uh, producing, directing team of Keegan Carnes and Sharon O'Donnell. Hello. Keegan. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Kel. No, uh, no problem whatsoever. It, no problem. It's The pleasure is mine, really. Uh, so... I just wanted to kind of just just to get to know each other a little bit. So, uh, how how did you uh, starting with you, Sheridan? How did you become a filmmaker? Um, I got into film kind of later in life. Uh, I went to college and I studied studied chemical engineering for my first year of college, and then basically quickly realized that uh, I just didn't have my heart in it and so I switched into film kind of on a whim because I used to do little short films with my uh, siblings when we were kids and it just turned out to be a really good fit for me I think it's sort of the intersection of art and science and I I find myself interested in in all kinds of things whether it's writing history uh, film is kind of a combination of those things so um, yeah that was got into film went to film school with Keegan we actually met at New Mexico State and really, you know, we're shooting, we were shooting a lot of stuff even outside of school and always pushing ourselves to like always be writing and creating things. We did a bunch of music videos together, commercials, we formed a production company and then I wrote this feature, Little Brother, uh, and Keegan was like the first person to read it and I did that, I wrote that five years ago and here we are now and it's premiering at the Atlanta Film Festival. Oh, wow. Okay. So... Speaking of Little Brother, how did it come about? Like, how did the story, what was the inspiration? So, I had been kind of very deeply thinking on what I wanted to write my first feature about. Because, for whatever reason, I think I romanticized the idea of a, of a debut feature. And that it's just sort of your your calling card to the world. And... When I was 24, a good friend of mine who was bipolar died by suicide. So that was kind of event number one. And then a couple of years later, a family member of mine um, attempted suicide and survived and was later diagnosed bipolar. And that kind of triggered a lot of emotions in me. And I realized that I hadn't seen their experiences of someone sort of perpetually dealing with their mental health on a day-to-day basis reflected on screen in a movie. I think a lot of times in movies, suicide is kind of like a plot device or like a dramatic turn as opposed to something that um, feels kind of authentic or a movie is completely about that. Uh, I'm also, I have three siblings, so I have two older siblings and a younger sibling, and I really wanted to write a film about brothers and siblinghood, and so all those ideas kind of collided in my mind and I I had this envisioning of two brothers on a road trip and one of them at the outset has attempted suicide and they drive across the American West just trying to like reconcile uh, their relationship and uh, really have like a conversational 
uh, drama comedy film about mental health and suicide specifically and just to spend the entire film investigating that um yeah awesome that's that's great that's good i i I mean absolutely uh and so how did so mind do you mind telling people about the movie little brother i mean you already talked about it a little bit with it being a conversational comedy drama but uh do you mind like talking more like specifics about like what the movie is like like plot wise or stuff yeah sure so as i said like it's about two brothers there's a younger brother named jake and an older brother named pete and they're sort of estranged jake and his parents live in seattle washington which is where the family's from and pete has kind of fled his family's um sphere of control and landed in albuquerque new mexico and in the beginning of the film yeah he's attempted suicide so his dad warren or their dad warren played by jk simmons uh kind of recruits jake to fly to albuquerque pick up pete and bring him home for a family intervention and so the the kind of meat of the film is these brothers who haven't seen each other in a long time and have very kind of diametrically opposed ways of living and philosophies on life are sort of stuck inside of a car forced to navigate you know their understandings or misunderstandings of one another exactly because that was to me like the key part of the movie when i saw it is that the the vision of these of these you know brothers especially the youngest brother uh jake uh jake excuse me and that was kind of that to me like that dynamic was interesting of how like he changes through the film like uh going from you know his parents side of like yes we have to do something like as a collective to you know being more uh, more and more somewhat understanding of his brother towards the end of the movie yeah that concept of jake being the character who goes on this sort of journey of change is I flagged that pretty early because I, in a way, am like a Jake-like character. You know, I'm, I, I, I've never attempted suicide, but I've been sort of peripherally around it. Of course. And I have an older brother who's like a loose inspiration for Pete, and I think I have a lot of judgment and a lot of like, mm, kind of just expressing my frustration on my older brother and wanting him to be more like me and. And instead, you know, as I wrote the film, I was kind of unpacking, like, my relationship to him and realizing that I should just be supportive of where he's at. And so that kind of infused into the character's relationship. And I really think that's kind of the novel, the most novel thing about the film is so many times in films about mental health, it's the character with mental health issues that is, like... um, you know, even to a degree, like, forced to change. They go through some revelation. They meet a girl, and they fall in love, and they realize they're all okay, or they... Exactly. The question, and, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, and it, it really isn't true of mental health. Uh, it, you know, that's a mental health disability, and it's a lifelong condition, and it's a lifelong um, kind of struggle, uh, if I'm allowed to say that, and... Yeah. They, they they can't change, you know, we, we the people around them I think it's more on maybe them to change and try to to support to support them. exactly, yes. Exactly. Um so shifting gears a little bit to about the production, so you said you I believe you shot this in New Mexico, but you also have shot in did you actually shoot in Colorado and in Oregon and all these other places or did you have to just try and make one state look like one uh, several states um, it's a bit of a combination I think going into it Keegan and I and our other producers Chris Dodds, Dylan Matlock, JP Ouellette and Brent Morris I was talking to them a lot about like we need to effectively communicate that they actually go on this trip because in a lot of like Hollywood productions of road movies, they don't have the ability to be that limber uh, in their productions. And so they're shooting like, you know, I don't know, an example might be Green Book, which is also a road movie 
as I was watching it, it kind of felt like a lot of the exteriors from looking inside the car to out, like, seemed the same, even though they're supposed to be driving across the south. So we shot in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is, like, a very diverse city. Uh, there's, like, it sits at the foot of these foresty mountains. If you drive um, one direction, you end up in these sort of red rock deserts, which can pass for Utah. So we did a lot of doubling in, in Albuquerque. Hopefully it's kind of convincing. But then we also took a leg of the production on the road and we you know, drove basically with a limited cast and crew from Albuquerque to Oregon and then, and then drove back. Uh, so we, we shot with the principal talent driving the way there and then they flew out and then we turned around and drove back and shot a lot of car to car and kind of vehicle stuff uh, with, with an even smaller crew. Okay, awesome. Because I was like, because I've done that road trip too, where I've been through the mid or uh, uh, out west, and I was like, oh yeah, this is starting to look like they actually went to different terrains and stuff. Like, so I was just curious about that. So, uh, and then uh, just a couple more questions here. How did you find your two your two leads, your two co leads? Um, the first, so Philip Ettinger plays Pete who's the older brother who is, uh, has mental health issues. He had kind of already been my, on my radar as just like a very amazing young actor. I had seen him in, uh, he plays a small but super powerful part in Paul Schrader's First Reformed. And he was also in this uh, Derek C. and France HBO show called I Know This Much Is True, and he plays a young Mark Ruffalo. And he plays actually twins in that. Uh, so he was just incredible, already on my radar and that was probably the most important casting conversation me and my producers were having is just like, who's going to play Pete? Because we, we knew and I knew like, I wasn't interested in making the movie if we weren't going to get that depiction right. Um, and so, you know, offered him the part and he, he responded to the script and he responded to me and now we're kind of really good buds. And then Daniel was uh, more through like a casting process. We had a great casting director out of New York named Allison Twardziak, and she she had Daniel on her radar and uh, put put me in touch with him. And at first when I saw him, he's like 6'6", very built, and it's not how I like imagined Jake in my mind. And then the more I thought about it and the more the producers thought about it, we got really excited about the idea about the younger brother being bigger than Pete and how it almost played into this idea of in the beginning of the movie, it kind of feels like in terms of responsibility or career, Jake feels like the older brother, which ends up becoming a theme in the film. Um, And there's something just about Dan it's really compelling that even though he presents maybe as this really uh, strong, muscular kind of sports guy, he's actually a really sensitive, um, insightful person. And, and that was kind of important for Jake to have those those characteristics, too. Awesome. And so my final question is, so what's up? Well, it's a two-parter. What's up for you guys? And then what's up for uh, Little Brother? What's next for them to, for you guys and Little Brother there? Um, for Little Brother, I mean, we just world premiered at Atlanta and we had a, an incredible reception at it. And so we're just going to continue to take the film around to the world uh, and show it at festivals and then actively uh, seeking distribution and going to hopefully get the movie in front of even more people. And I would like a theatrical release if possible. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Only because it played so well in the theater, um, but I guess every movie does. And then, I mean, Keegan, maybe you can add. I'm trying to think if there's anything else on the little brother side that. that yeah, I think exactly what Sheridan said. We saw in Atlanta how well an audience response to this film, which was the biggest high in the world for all of us. So now our goal is to get it in front of as many people as we can. Hopefully as much as we can in a theatrical setting. So we'll be taking the film around the country and around the world 
Uh, we hope that you know anyone listening to this can find a screening near them soon, and then uh, and then sky's the limit from there. Yeah, um, I don't know if you can you have show notes or anything, but w- the film is the trailer is on Instagram and info about where to see the film at Little Brother Movie. Um, so if you want to find us, we're out there and it's a, it's an easy film to work really hard on because it just seems to have, it it seems to be making a real impact on people. So we're excited to just continue to bring that experience to more audiences. And then personally for me, uh, I can't really speak too much about projects that are in development, but I'm, I'm writing a a new feature and then I'm going to be directing a documentary feature as well. Awesome. That's great. It's good to hear. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, and, uh, where can the, I know you guys mentioned the little brother film Instagram, but do you guys have any like, you know, other social media people want, you want people to follow, uh, including your own or whatnot or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram as well, uh, at Sheridan O'Donnell, S-H-E-R-I-D-A-N-O-D-O-N-N-E-L-L. Really long, hard name to spell. Same thing, uh, my website is just www.sheridanodonnell.com. But yeah, D- DM me on Instagram and I'll send you my email because I, I try to stay off it as much as possible. Perfectly, under- perfectly understand understandable and keegan do you have anything uh, else you wanted to add well just that i'm so grateful for everyone who's already watched the film and for those of you listening to this and are interested in the film we made it for an audience and we're pumped that an audience is finally getting to see it um i'll give a shameless plug to the production company one of the production companies behind the film that i run it's called inspirado we're based in albuquerque you can follow us at inspirado.tv and uh, we get Sheridan working with us a lot when we get lucky, so you can see both of our work uh, there as well. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Uh, thank you guys so much, and please check out Little Brother um, whenever you can. Of course, I will have all links to Little Brother and their social media to where you can follow them and find, you know, follow them and you can see you know their next screening whenever you know it gets posted or wherever you uh, are live next um i will leave those uh, links in the description below thank you guys so much thank, thank you yeah. thanks uh, so so now kind of going forward uh i wanted to kind of ask what because you guys saw some shorts yeah um to, so starting with you sean uh what were the two what were the shorts that you had seen well i did see two <laughs> you were correct i saw only two shorts because i'm a slacker and did not see that many films this year but one Dang of the it, ones sean. i saw i know i know i i i apologize i have no excuse um one of the ones i saw was uh would you still love me which I actually met the filmmakers. It was uh, Ramsey Tilhami. I think I'm pronouncing his last name wrong. Ramsey, I'm so sorry. Um, and Alex Petkus, she wrote it. And I met Ramsey at one of the like uh, happy hours that were going on. He just approached me and started telling me, like, oh, he's a filmmaker. He got into the festival. And he was awesome. So I was like, well, I got to check out your movie. And Alex, I met there as well. She was great. And the movie was very funny. Basically, it's like a four-minute short. And it's insane to even try to tell a story with that little time but they pull it off and it's a a woman and her boyfriend on a picnic and she's asking him all these you know would you still love me if i was this or that and uh he then gets very specific and asks her like would you still love me if i was like an alien who came to earth in this invasion and now i've like created a hive mind with everyone on this planet except for you and would you still love me then and then he proposes to her and then everyone in this small town um acts out the proposal as well and uh, because he is connected to them via the hive mind and she thinks it's very sweet and uh then we cut to all these different locations in this town of people making out with nobody just making out with the air because they're 
acting out. It's it's very. I'm doing a terrible job describing it, but it's very very funny, very creative, and uh, really really enjoyed it. And then the other short I saw was one from Joel J. Blacker, and he, I'd met him at the 2019 film festival. He had something called Who You Are that was very funny. It was like a uh, a pilot spec i guess you could call it was uh sort of a concept pilot and this is similar although i don't know if this is supposed to be a standalone thing or ongoing but it's called don't let kyle sit down and it's basically like some friends hanging out around a bonfire in someone's backyard and this weird guy kyle comes to hang out with them and they don't want kyle to hang out with them but the host is too nice to say no to him and he's a weird dude he's got some weird stories and uh it the the film is very very funny joel's work is very like quirky and funny and goofy and this guy is shirtless he's bearded he talks about how he saved a bus full of children that had caught on fire but he saved every last child on the bus but he couldn't save the bus itself and he'll never uh (laughs) never be (laughs) never never be okay Uh, it's it was very it was nice because i had seen joel's other work so i was somewhat somewhat familiar with that style um so it was fun to see something else from him but both shorts were very good very creative similar to kind of what we've talked about i think with uh with what was it red 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 planet red earth red earth um similar to that where you were like so much was done with so little like with limited resources both of these felt like that like very low budget very clearly low budget limited resources but like great storytelling great filmmaking and uh i mean honestly the shorts sometimes are really where the most creative stuff at these festivals is gonna be yeah exactly and that's like why i love festivals is because you can just sit through shorts and sometimes the shorts are terrible like the shorts are not (laughs) yeah interesting or you know compelling um but they're short and they have that going for them yes and at the end of the day if you don't like it you'll probably forget it in like five minutes (laughs) right um it's short and sweet so yes uh, but yeah, Tyler, did you see any other any shorts while we're on the subject on the short? Yeah, subject? I'm digging around and I'm finding I'm, I'm finding whole features that I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, uh, one of which was uh, Dusty and Stones, which. Uh, oh, I heard that was real it good. was real good. Um, it's it's <laughs> about uh, like a cowboy duo uh, from the African kingdom of uh, Swaziland. And uh, they get accepted into a battle of the bands in Texas. And so it's about <laughs> it's about these like rural Africans with this deep passion for uh, for twangy American cowboy country music uh, who then, you know, are called to perform uh, in Texas. And so kind of that that uh, dysphoria and um, right. adversity, that was one of the first that I saw and i and i guess i had forgotten about it but that's not um to the discredit of the film because it's 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 really heartening to watch and it's it's and it's also just one of those great movies great things period where you can uh you know just sense the passion um that that they have for uh this music their music and 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 the craft itself and so um I hope that gets a wider audience. Um, yeah, I heard great things about one it. One other, I don't, I, I don't know why I thought this was a short, but I saw this world is not my own, uh, which is about Nellie Mae Rose um, art career. Um, it was like very like self-taught and um, it was, nice it was just a bunch of uh historians art scholars you know praising this uh deep you know this underappreciated artist who you know didn't have any notoriety um in their lifetime and it was intercut with uh you know the artist um in like a claymation form it was like stop motion um and it was voiced by uzo uh aduba from uh, orange is the new black yeah crazy eyes um that's where I, that's how I know her, um, and it was wow. like a, it was you know it was a cute meditative art flick, um, <laughs> and not not much more to say on it uh, apart from that. 
Um, and then the other short, and this I, I watched this because it was attached to Red Earth and like the rental thing. Like I, I rented Red Earth from Eventive and Eventive, um, yeah. And this was uh, I Seek Your Help to Bury a Man. And this one was weird, uh, uh, but it was it was about it takes place in 1870 and is like about this uh, a queer person that gets crucified and like a transgender gypsy is like, um, you know, outcast from uh, their people. Um, and it was, it was very much an interesting, um, I believe it it was in Portuguese. Um, so it was just like South American indigenous, um, society discussing and dealing with, uh, queer and trans issues. Not well, I might add. (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Step one. Don't crucify the queer people. <laughs> you think we would have learned this by now? It's the 21st yeah. century. It's tw- the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> um, yeah. So I uh, so that was that was a weird flick. I, if you asked me, hey, uh, you know, gun to my head, why did they pair these movies together? I don't know. I, it wasn't even a vibe. It wasn't no even a vibes answer. thing. Um, oh, no. maybe the sci-fi of it. Yeah, I don't know. Was there any sci-fi in that short? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh no. no, okay. But it looked like it looked like it must have maybe. cost like a Brazilian dollars to make. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was really good looking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what time is it now, guys? It's ten fifty. Yep. Okay. All right. We've reached. We've reached we're, the, the. We're reaching peak, the peak silly. This is. Yes. Um, yeah. But is but is there is there anything else from the Atlanta Film Festival world? I went to the after party or the the closing night party, and the, oh, I didn't go to that one. How was uh, that? It was it was cool. It, uh, it paled. Unfortunately, it, paled, it just paled in comparison to previous years. Like, did you all mm. go to the eighth grade party? Is that where I met you, Kale? I didn't yes. go to that festival, so I didn't meet Bo Burnham. I didn't meet anybody. Well, that one was crazy because after after the screening of eighth, eighth grade and the Q and A, they literally loaded us all onto a yellow bus, like a yellow school bus. <laughs> yes, and an old yellow took school us bus. out to like Stone Mountain or some shit. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> where the party was being held, yeah. and then like had to take like shuttles back, um, and so. For this to be kind of like a, you know, a tent construction in the back of the plaza, left a little to be desired, but which has been the <laughs> hangout like place for the entire festival. It was the hang- yeah, yeah, one yeah. more. I'm gonna at festival uh, programmers listen up. I've I've visited that filmmaker's lounge like thrice, and there was never any coffee, no one behind the bar. It was. It, there were there were people there the opening weekend, so clearly everybody every, left. Even the people who were supposed to yeah. be there left by the closing. And weekend. I, I was like, I, I had shown up to work. I was like wearing my backpack, and and I was like, whoa! Like everyone, there's like four people here, and they're all really sad looking. Um, <laughs> like, well, they're waiting for the coffee. They're, they're waiting for yeah, that. The, nobody, the coffee that or never if came, they won yeah. their screenwriting competition or. I, I don't right. I don't know what. Um, I actually met the people who won the screenwriting competition. They were a uh, nice couple. A uh, nice couple of people. Um, don't I? Unfortunately, I don't re- recall their names, but they were very nice people. Uh, so yeah. Um, well, Tyler, that's very unfortunate that you went to the after part, the closing party, and it was uh, a tip. It was basically. Well, the the a- I mean, when you said afterthought, I think it was very much. It was a bit. Uh, the after party was an um, afterthought. Uh, w- uh, <laughs> yeah. To end on positives, though, um, the drinks, the the, oh, the drinks were free. Love it. Lo- hey, I love an hey. open bar. Um, the DJ was great. <laughs> um, and have y'all had Ponco chicken yet? Yes. No. no. Wait, no. You, you did. If did you go to the party after the Rialto? Um, 
No, but it was catered at the closing night party. Um, oh, damn. It's like, no, 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 Sean, you did have Panko chicken. Did I? You went to the, you went to the party after the Rialto, right? I did. At that apartment complex? Oh, that's right. That was the amazing chicken. And you told me to get the ranch. And I typically don't like ranch on my chicken, but it was so good that everything, everything was. Listen, I wish I was in the boardroom that came up with Korean Chick-fil-A because (laughs) (laughs) what an idea. What a concept. I think about that chicken all the time with the original sauce. And the, the ten, it's, it's honestly probably the most moving thing about uh, the festival. The festival. <laughs> oh, that chicken was to die. And I found out they opened one in Athens, so I'll probably be visiting that one very soon. Oh, very perfect. nice. Good. I'm glad to know it's out there somewhere at yes. the very least waiting for us to rediscover it. Well, it's in Atlanta. Like they have multiple locations. They have a couple locations in Atlanta, but they just, my friend, Jeremy Tao, uh, who actually was on one of the panels this year uh, for his upcoming project or upcoming film. Uh, he told me about Panko chicken in Athens. And I was like, Oh, well then I definitely need to go. So there you go. Yeah. Um, the last thing I will mention, um, unless we have some other films to talk about, is the Georgia Short Block. Uh, oh, and well, you know what? I keep mis- speaking myself. I do have one more feature to talk oh. about, but we'll come back okay. to that in a second. Uh, the Georgia Short Blocks. Uh, so first off, Sean, you remember uh, Lane and Mar- Ruckus Sky, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, um, they're awesome. They did... Uh, it was called Reckoning at the Atlanta Film Festival, and then it became the devil to pay when it was uh, officially released, um, starring Daniel Deadweiler. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful movie, and they're great people, too. Exactly. So they wrote a film that was directed by like uh, a friend of theirs, Sean McLean, uh, and starring like one of the actors of The Devil to Pay, okay. uh, and it's called Shipper, and it's like an emotionally like devastating movie because it's like this, this one like biker guy, uh, he's coming home for the first time in forever. His father's had a stroke and his father has sent him a letter. Like, and the, the whole movie is about the information on this letter. Mm. And it's like very like drama filled it's very well acted. It's, I mean, it was really good. Like, it, it, this was the first short in the Georgia short block. And I was like 15 minutes into this 20 minute movie. I'm like, I'm crying. Like, it's so mm. beat, like, just so filled with drama and tension. And it's almost all one actor doing the whole, like, the whole short. And it's just incredible. Like, it's an oh, incredible. Nice. Um, the next one, uh, I'll kind of speed through these tiktok challenge it's um it's a it's about a grandma uh who it's about a grandma who uh loves soap operas and is discovering tiktok for the first time and asked her grandson to (laughs) film her dancing for tiktok (laughs) and it's the whole video of like you know because she's just always wanted fame Mm. like she's always wanted like to be a celebrity and so she'd see so it's about this like her and her grandson just like filming tiktok videos uh and it's cute it's funny it's nice so that was and then roaming dawn is this weird meditative like experimental film <laughs> uh about um a guy goes on a road trip with his pet fish and it's about the different like it's about the different people he meets on this road trip but like the idea is like he's taking he's going on this road trip to uh say his goodbyes uh to a to a character in this movie so there's that and then there's lumps it's a coming of age movie about a 13 year old kid who's moving to a new city, new state, new everything um, after his mom is incarcerated. And 
it's just a really good it's a really really good short film and the kid looks like a young like childish gambino like if you look for this poster of lumps you're like holy sh- oh my god they found childish gambino's clone <laughs> uh like everything about it and uh so there's that good movie it's about like the things you you know you shouldn't do in as a kid the advice you shouldn't take Mm. uh one was one yes the other no it's uh in the mountains of bogata a woman um is like experience is having you know is dying from cancer and she's like reflecting off of her teenage years and that sort of thing, you know, nice, really good story. And then the last one, Gabriella is about a young document, young undocumented uh, Guatemalan uh, woman who is pursuing her dreams, you know, to, to swim and try and get an athletic scholarship to, to college. But uh, because of her overprotective mother and all of the limitations and legal and, just like social economic problems she faces like she has to kind of come she is in she's trying to come to terms with like her situation and trying to meet you know her dreams versus reality so that that was the Georgia short block um i really like and, and i really liked gabriella it is a really good uh good one i just like Again, like the Georgia Short Block this year was just really good. Even Roaming Dawn, which was my least favorite, mm. is still like better than a lot of shorts I've seen lately. Oh, nice. Uh, you guys saw way more than I did. So kudos yeah. to you. Um, Tyler, do you have one more thing to talk about? I literally have one we... more thing to talk about. It's a little irrelevant. <laughs> but okay. I haven't I haven't okay. really talked okay. to, to anyone about it and it's it, it's no, been eating us. my brain and it is it's, it, this, this is, is an exclusive I want exclusive scoop. This is an Atlanta film that my okay. uh good friend Dom uh Griffin recommended to me. Uh he's he's the armchair auteur on YouTube. He's one of my favorite film critics. Um and discovered this film on Tubi called uh dog face a trap house horror have y'all heard about this movie no no okay i'm getting y'all in on like the <laughs> ground level of the next it's the next thing if if, if we if we oh believe it this is like late night <laughs> plaza screenings out the wazoo um speaking of wazoo it's reminiscent it's literally you watch the film and you're like, oh, this is very Tommy Wiseau. Like, oh my God. In, in, That's in all the, you just, I'm in. Okay. It's, what is this movie called again? It's called Dog Face, A Trap House Horror. And so you're watching it and you're like, oh, this is a, okay, this is a cheap but very passionate movie. Very, very well acted. Right. right. And then it goes, and I know this is an overwrought term. And I'm not trying to oversell this movie. It goes full Lynchian. Like, oh my God. Like, it, it was made on a shoestring budget. Clearly, they just like rented two Airbnbs and got their friends together to make this like insane <laughs> horror movie. And didn't tell the Airbnb. People, no, of course right? not. Uh, however, <laughs> however, the Airbnb, there is an Airbnb host in the film, but like, I can't even spoil it. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> they're not sure what they're doing. They're not even sure if they're in the film. Really, they were. Just- they, they, it, listen, I I don't know how I don't know how this movie <laughs> happened. It's on YouTube. It's on Tubi. It's very very out there, and it's also on Peacock. It's out there. It's available. Um, it essentially is about uh this um this guy named Hondo, and Hondo buys a house, uh that apparently is haunted. Um, but before he can even um, get creeped out by the haunting, his estranged father shows up out of the blue. Um, and as soon as you know, maybe like 20 minutes into this film, as soon as you think you know where this film is going, it just goes next level, like just like meta, crazy, heady until it finally just kind of comes out on the other side as like 
a very like you know how like the room is all about like Tommy Wiseau's like inner insecurities of like abandonment and yeah. rejection yeah. and yeah. like just ends up expressing a very human thing in the mess. Dogface, a trap house horror, <laughs> does exactly that miraculously. I gave it five stars. Dom <laughs> gave it five stars. It should be memed. It should be celebrated. It is a wonderful, wonderful, uh, crazy film. And if you... Everything about this sounds magnificent. Tyler, I'm going to have to ask you to send me the YouTube I will send, link. I will send so you the YouTube the link. Below. Listener, if... Yeah. if Share it in the episode description. I'll share it in the episode description. I want it to be a thing. I know we can get it. I know we can make it a thing at the ground level. (laughs) It can happen. It's going to happen. This is where it started, ladies and gentlemen. And let me tell you, y'all want Atlanta filmmaking? Dog dog face, a trap house horror (laughs) is true. Gresham Park, Atlanta filmmaking. This is ATL, ho. And if you don't like it, you can take your Marvel movies back to New Mexico. All right? I don't... Where they filmed Little Brother. (laughs) Uh, So, Uh, listener, reach out... So this yeah. is Dogface is the best film of the Atlanta Film Festival. Is uh, yeah, I've seen it like three times now. Um, <laughs> every time there gets to, every time there gets to be some some lull in like the the oh let's watch YouTube around the couch conversation. You're I, like you know what's the meaning of life? Like what who am I? Let's it's, get it's, high. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah stoned two thirty in the morning. Dogface a trap house horror. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so li- listener, sure. if you made it this far, if you if you end up watching this film, yeah, you've earned this. You, not only have it. you earned it, please please reach out to me. Tell me what you thought of this movie. <laughs> I follow the actors on Instagram and like I'm I'm actively asking them, "Hey, like what kind of movies do you want to be in? I want to make you a star." <laughs> Can I interview you? Can I interview you? Uh, and they're all been very. Can we be friends? Can we be friends? Like it's it is. Oh uh, my god! It's incredible. Honestly, it's it's oh what it's what we should do. Uh, uh, well, you've got a podcast to record. It's what movies. It's what it's movies, what movies are, made are made for. for. So yeah. that's my that's my that, that's my true recommendation. Thank you, Atlanta Film Festival, Perfect. for Shit. all that you gave me. <laughs> for everything you did for I'm us. I'm good with dog face. Thank you for bringing Shit. us to this point so that we could get yeah. this recommendation. Um, this was all what it was. Everything whole thing was, was a ruse. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Okay, oh, one more thing I want to talk about, and then I promise we'll be done, because uh, it is after 11. Uh, so the last movie I saw was My Last Nerve. Uh, it is a movie about uh it's a movie about a guy who is trying to save his father uh from because his father has suffered nerve damage like he has this like neurological disease where uh the nerves nerve endings on like his feet and hands have been completely like burned off like he just has like this enzyme that's not uh it's just not like working correctly so it's a story about how this the son of the 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 victim of this pain has basically since the age of 15 uh has spent like the last 13 years of his life basically going through college going through high like high school college uh and now getting his doctorate now like studying like clams and ice in iceland or norway norway uh to find like the the enzyme bacteria to save it like his father's life and it's like moving but there's also times where like the subject of the documentary is like this pompous asshole (laughs) like he's just like so like overconfident and so like i am so in like he is so like bro-y about everything so oh, it almost no. takes you out of the film because it's just mm. like he knows so much and he's so like cocky and proud of it. Like it's insane. And also it doesn't help like the doc the documentary is like a like a very, very long Vox video, like a, a YouTube <laughs> Vox video. Oh, good. 
So you're just like, oh shit. Like it's very well made. And it's very like has good music, has the the typical drone shots you see in documentaries. But I mean, I'll say this, like the documentary, like it's very interesting and I love science, but I have ran into people who did see that and they were like, fuck this. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't How know. dare you? Like, and, and I feel terrible because it's like the guy really has like worked like, and you see it every step of the way. Like he has worked and sacrificed and even like the documentary takes time to like explore like the emotional like not necessarily like abuse of the father but just the emotional abuse of this disease takes on a family Mm. and how that can never be cured that can never just be fixed like and that's the one thing i do give like credit is like it explores like what a disease that's just damning does to one whole family like how like when one person gets it and they can't just like rid themselves of it, it just affects the entire family. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, so I do admire that, but I was just like, most of this documentary, I'm like, my God, just shut up. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a the whole subplot where he joins the military and explains how neurons are like similar work similarly to like terrorist plots. Like it's nice. like, I was watching this and I'm like, this is incredible. <laughs> like this dude has like worked like has made massive leaps just so somebody will fund his like science experiment his you know <laughs> very much needed science experiments right uh so yeah my last nerve very interesting i don't know if i could recommend it because people might just <laughs> turn it off halfway but um if it's good it's good yeah. if it's good recommend it i just recommend a dog face like it's it's a hard hard sell but if you if you're passionate yeah, about was... it and you like you like think people should see it that's why we're here like yeah exactly i mean it does end with like someone describing the hero's journey from joseph campbell oh my god <laughs> okay I'm, I'm busy that night I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Okay. So that's the Atlanta Film Festival coverage. I think we did we, it. We did it. We, we covered sur- We barely year. survived. We're still, we're kind of standing, still standing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting. I don't know about you. I'm guys, sitting. But... Yeah. I'm sitting. Barely. Y'all got editing to do. I don't. Um, I don't I'm just showing. Okay, so, all right, uh, let's wrap this up. So, starting with you, uh, Tyler, where can the good people find you and where uh, do you want people to read anything from you? That kind of no, thing? please, no. Um, <laughs> don't find me anywhere. Uh, you can find me at The Righteous Room uh, on my eighth mid viewing of Bo is Afraid. Um, <laughs> you can't ever watch this movie the right way from this I, point I, on because it will never live up to what you've seen what you've done I, I, and i realized that as soon as i watched all <laughs> once i watched the whole movie i was like wait i liked my version better um, no uh you can find me on twitter at tyler scruggs it'll be the account that has uh, a link to Dogface, a trap house horror on it um i'm on instagram at scruggernaut it's like juggernaut but with scrug and i write a pot i write a i write a podcast i have a podcast coming out don't tell nobody but i've got a podcast coming out um nice. and uh i write infrequently at tylerscruggs.com so subscribe over there if you dare Awesome. And Sean? I am at Yay Sean Dorman on Twitter. You can find me on my podcast, Missing Frames, where we watch all the movies we should have seen by this point in our lives. And uh, yeah, if you're only listening to part two of this conversation, <coughs> go listen to part one where we are somewhat more awake, kind of. We definitely t- I don't know. I don't know if that makes it more entertaining. I think this episode is probably more entertaining for the incoherence of... Uh, of all of us trying mm-hmm. to fight against um, blissful unconsciousness. So uh, yeah, that's it. Find me there. 
Yeah, for uh, missing pieces, you should definitely talk about uh, Dogface. What is it? Yeah, dog that face? will that will be number one on my <laughs> must see. And Sean would be like, "Oh, how could we have missed this one? How could I have missed it? <laughs> We've missed. Now we're starting the, the movement again. The, okay. yes, the Tubi happening. original movie. Uh, how could we have overlooked? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, okay, so you can find me on Twitter at MovieKale. Uh, this is where you get all the information on my podcast. This is where, uh, especially information on this, we've done 300 episodes. This is 301. Please check Woo! out the 300th celebration. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you all so much for uh, listening thus far. And also, if you love listening to my voice, uh, me and um, I do. Marley... Thank you. Me and Marley from a uh, real lovers podcast. We did a whole fast and furious retrospective. Yes. Um, and uh, we're almost done. We have released eight so far. We're about to do nine and uh, we'll do 10 in a couple weeks. So Perfect. or next or yeah, next week. So we're, is that we're, coming out? Next we're week? down to the wire. Holy shit. Well, of this podcast. Oh, the okay. Well, th- oh, is the movie? When's the movie yeah. coming out? When's Fast Ten coming out? Uh, May nineteenth. Not this, oh not this Friday, but next Friday. Did you? But next, I Friday. just learned it about the Robert soon. Rodriguez movie coming out this Friday. I was, I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't even know about it. that. He directed oh Ben's uh, Ben so Affleck, much. Ben Affleck Robert Rodriguez action movie coming out. It's called what? something. Apparently, only Regal has it. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> unless tyler knows something i don't but we'll get into that later i um that's funny that you mentioned that because i was sitting in the lobby at atlantic station and i was looking up at like the big screens that are always playing like the the clips from the films and that's where i discovered like hey robert rodriguez film ben affleck <laughs> so it might only be at, at the at the regal it might only be a little clip that they play in the lobby it might only be at that one <laughs> I think I saw the film. Um. <laughs> As a final note, uh, I didn't get to, uh, I forgot to put this into the actual recording of this, but uh, here is uh, my interview with George R. R. Martin and Vincent D'Onofrio that was referenced in part one, uh, but we forgot to mention it here in part two. So I'm going to just leave you here with uh, the interview, and when that's done, uh, the episode will be complete. Thank you all for listening so much to uh, Sean, Tyler, and I's uh, coverage on the Atlanta Film Festival, and we will be back with you very, very soon for Fast X. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Hi, I'm Kale. Thank you. All righty. So I am here with uh, George R. R. Martin and Vincent D'Onofrio for Night of the Cooters. So my first question to ask you, I'm going to start with you, uh, Vincent, um, is what would Edgar think of, from Men in Black, what would Edgar think of Night of the Cooters? I think it was, he would think it was fun to direct and act in it. <laughs> awesome. And then for you, uh, actually, uh, this is for the both of you then, um, what stories that are underrated or not being told, like what kind of stories or f- a fiction of, for you guys do you think needs to be adapted or would love to see adapted one day? I'll start with you, George. Well, um, Night of the Cooters is just the first of a series of short films that I'm making, adapting the work of Howard Waldrop, um, right. who is a unique short story writer out of Texas. Uh, one of my oldest friends, and his stories are all all over the place. Everyone's unique. They're all weird. So we're, we're going to make a series of those. But also, you know, I grew up reading science fiction and fantasy. Absolutely. So given enough time, I would love to adapt some of the great short stories of the field that have never been adapted, and I would like to adapt them as faithfully as I could. Uh, stories by Robert Block and Clifford Simek. Robert A. Heinlein, um, you know, Jack Vance, Roger Zelazny. These are the writers that I love, that I grew up on, 
and they wrote stories that are, you know, I will never forget that have helped shape me. And some of them have either never been adapted or they've been adapted very poorly by, you know, screenwriters or producers who said, oh, I'll change everything. I don't. They just want the title. Uh, yeah, I don't want that. So uh, that's kind of what motivates me in making these films. All right, and for you, Vincent, what uh, stories would you like to see adapted or that haven't been adapted yet? Like, what kind of well, I love the I love Pulp Fiction. I've been a fan of Pulp Fiction for many years. Like I, I did the Robert E. Howard story and with uh, Renee Zellweger, the whole wide world. And, okay. Like like I don't think enough of the quirkier stuff is the 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 stranger genre kind of stuff of Pulp Fiction has been done. I, I just love it. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you guys thank so you. much. And thank you, thank you guys for interviewing.